0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God.
1: Today is our our Vision Weekend, what we call Vision Weekend, and, and the title of my message today is An Unstoppable Church. An Unstoppable Church. I want to share with you the vision that God has placed in my heart for our church in this season. But first I wanna just take a few minutes and define vision and, and talk about how you can receive God's vision for your own life and make some personal application. You know, just like eyesight or physical vision helps you to see what is in front of you, vision helps you to see where you are going in your life. This is how I think about vision, how I defined it this morning. Vision is a picture of your future that produces direction, motivation, and passion. It's a picture of your future that produces or provides direction, motivation, and passion. Vision answers the very, very important question, why do I exist? Or why do we exist? If you're interested in sports, if you like sports, you probably understand Vision, you know that a good coach for his team would provide direction, motivation, and passion for winning. You would know that the Rams' vision is not just to soundly defeat the 49ers today, it's to win the Super Bowl in two weeks. If you like HG TV and you like the home renovation TV shows, you like Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. I like Chip. He's funny. He makes me laugh. I can watch that show with Jenny then you know that before they start a home renovation, what do they do? They create a vision of what they're going to do. A picture of what the house is going to look like when it's been completely renovated. And they put shiplap everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Keller once said that the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Too many of us, unfortunately, might fall into what... That that category where we have sight but no vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Other translations say they cast off restraint. In other words, you live an undisciplined kind of life. By the way, well, let me let me have you ask yourself this question first. This is a really important question. Do you have vision for your life? Do you have vision for your life? Do you have a a clear picture of the future that is providing direction and motivation and passion for living? In other words, to say it differently, do you know why why God has placed you on this planet? Do you know the why in your life? You ought to, by the way, have vision for your marriage. (laughs) I hope it's not... Well, I just hope to make it through another year and stay married. Better vision is that we're gonna have a strong, healthy, happy marriage that is built on Jesus Christ that provides an incredible example to our children so they can have a great, healthy marriage when they get older. You gotta have a vision for your family. I hope it's not, I'm just gonna raise three boys and I can't wait till they get out of the house, (laughs) Sarah. It ought to be something like what we have on the wall here. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And every single one of my sons and daughters are going to be men and women after God's own heart who serve God's purposes in their own generation. God has a unique and specific vision for your life, for every single one of us. There's a, a why, there's a reason There's a vision that he has placed you on this planet right now in this season for such a time as this. And he wants you to discover it and pursue it. And by the way, it's not the American dream. It's not just to make a bunch of money and retire and then die. Too many people spend too much time buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even really like. Just to get some likes on social media. What a waste of life. Some of us need to spend less time on social media looking at other people's lives and start living our own life. (laughs) Whatever stage of life you're in, listen, you need God's vision for your life. Some of us need fresh vision from the Lord. If you're a student, there's a lot of young adults in here, you need vision for your life. If you're newly married, you need vision for your life. If you're raising young kids, you need vision for your life. If you're retired, you need vision for your life. We're reading through Exodus right now in the Old Testament in our Grow Journal. And it's just one of these verses that just st- stands out to you. Hadn't noticed it or maybe forgot about it. It said, now Moses was 80 years old, 80, 8 zero, And his brother Aaron was 83 years old when they stood before Pharaoh. That's awesome. I like Caleb in the Bible, he says, I'm 80 years old, I am just as strong as when I was 40 years old, give me my land and I'll take down any giant that stands in my way. Come on, no matter how old you are, God has vision for your life. And vision gives you, gives your life meaning, significance and purpose. The Bible's full of examples of men and women that had vision for their life. Joseph had a vision to be in a position of, of power and leadership and influence to help help other people. Moses, I just mentioned, had a vision to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. Joshua, his successor, had a vision to conquer Jericho, the most fortified city in the world at that time, and to defeat all of the enemies so they could could take possession of the promised land. Mary, just as a teenage girl, had a vision to obey God and birth the Savior of the world. The Apostle Paul had a a vision to preach the gospel unashamedly, unstoppably, everywhere in the known world at that time. And men and women, Jesus had a vision to endure the cross for the joy that was set before him, which is you and I, to bring us into relationship with God and save us from our sins. By the way, if you really, um, if it's really God's vision for your life, then it's going to be important impossible for you to achieve on your own. You could probably come up with a good vision and give your life to that and, and, a, and from a worldly standpoint accomplish some good things, but that won't be God's vision for your life, men and women. God's vision for your life is much bigger than you could dream or imagine. God's vision for your life requires faith and trusting him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard Nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. What a great verse. What a great promise. I want to talk to you. How do you receive vision from God for your own life? How do you receive vision from God? Well, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. Some of you didn't even know that was in the Bible. (laughs) Habakkuk chapter 2 is a small book in the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets. Habakkuk chapter 2 teaches us in just a few verses. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see what the Lord says. That's interesting, by the way. He didn't say, I will wait to hear what the Lord says. He says, I will wait to see what the Lord says. And how he will answer my complaint. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to me, now this is God talking. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision, say vision. Vision. Come on, say it again. Say vision. Vision. This vision is for a future time. Say future. Future. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Then God says, listen to this. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I want to give you five steps to receive vision from God. Five steps to receive vision from God. Number one is want. Want. In other words, have a strong desire to hear from God. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. Listen, you will not hear from the Lord and you won't receive God's vision for your life unless it's really, really, really important to you and you're willing to make the effort and take the time and say, God, more than anything else, would you speak to me? Would you give me vision for my life? I can remember being 20 years old, getting ready to go into my senior year of college at Cal State Long Beach, business finance finance major, still not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And I began to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, you gotta show me, I'm getting ready to graduate. What have you called me to do? And I felt the Lord speak to me real clearly that he had called me into full-time ministry. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, some of us know that. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. But then verse 12 says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me, what does it say? Come on, say it again. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Number one, if you're going to receive God's vision, you need to want it. Number two is that you need to withdraw and get alone with God. You need to withdraw and get alone with God. Habakkuk withdrew to his watchtower. Listen, you need to turn off all the noise. We are constantly bombarded with different voices and noise all the time. Turn off the political talk radio. Turn off social media. Stop watching TV. Stop streaming stuff. Block out the distractions. Take your earbuds out. Put your phone away. Put the laptop away. And get alone with God, men and women. Spend time with the Lord. I know if you have young kids, this is especially challenging. How do you do that with three little guys under the age of four? I don't know. Ask Sarah. (laughs) In the early 1700s, in the early 1700s, in London, England, there was a lady named Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley had 18 children. Holy moly, my brother has five and it's like a three ring circus over there. Can you imagine 18, 18 children. Susanna, every single day with 18 kids, at one point in the day, she would go and sit in her favorite chair. She would pull her apron over her head and cover her face and she would spend an hour with the Lord. And all 18 of those kids knew, you do not mess with mama when she's got her apron over her head. If you wanna live to fight another day, (laughs) you leave her alone. Two of Susanna Wesley's children, two of her sons, one's name was Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley wrote over 6,000 hymns, some of which we still sing to this day. Her other son, John Wesley, him and Charles together founded the Methodist Revival Movement that spread throughout Europe into the United States. Look it up, men and women. It didn't just change church, church history. It changed all of history. It changed culture. And you know what John Wesley said? He said, it was the prayers of my mom that shaped my life. Come on, moms. There's nothing more powerful than your prayers, Marilyn. Praying mama, watch out, devil. <laughs> when moms get on their knees and pray, all of hell trembles. But you got to withdraw. You got to get alone from God. You got to hear from God. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, it says in Luke 5 16. It was a habit for him. In fact, it's funny when you read the Gospels, there are times when his own disciples are looking for Jesus. They're trying to cast a demon out of somebody, and nothing they're doing is working. Where's Jesus? We don't know. He was spending time with the Father, it was a habit in his life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, the message paraphrased. I like the way it says it. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. Spending time with God alone every day, men and women, it is the most important thing you can do with your time. It is the most important habit that you can develop in your life. Number three, you need to wait. You need to be still before God. If you're going to receive God's vision, you've got to learn to wait and be still before him. Habakkuk says, I will wait to see what the Lord says. Many people talk to God, but never wait to hear from God. For them, prayer is just a monologue. It's, it's one way. You can't have a very close relationship with anybody if all it is is a monologue. Come on, husbands, think about that for a moment. If all you did was talk to your wife and she never said anything back to you, some of you are thinking, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> My wife's gone, so I can say whatever I want. Listen, you, to have an intimate, close relationship, you need a dialogue, not a monologue. You need to have a conversation. We need to learn to listen to God. This is hard. This is probably the hardest, one of the hardest things for me. The reason that most of us never really hear from God is that we never slow down enough. We give it about 30 seconds and it feels like forever, and we're like, on to the next thing. I need I got stuff to do. God, here's here you go, 30 seconds, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Listen, hurry is the death of prayer. I'm gonna say it again. Hurry is the death of prayer. We need to learn to listen, we need to learn to slow down, to be still to wait patiently, to wait quietly, and wait expectantly. David says in Psalm 62, 5, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. Inner calm, inner calm, inner calm is the intercom to God. Helps you hear His voice. Number four is this, is word. You need to read the word of God. Habakkuk said, The Lord said to me, Any vision that God gives you for your life, it will line up with his word. If it doesn't, it might be a vision from you, but it ain't from God. It will bring honor and glory to his name. God's will is in his word. And hearing God's voice through his word every day, that will help you to know what God's vision is for your life. And uh, Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law." Number five, if you want to receive a vision from God for your life, number five is to write. In other words, record the vision that God speaks to you. The Lord said to Habakkuk, write this answer plainly. This vision is for a future time. If any of you use the Grow Journal for your daily devotional time with the Lord, these are basically the same five steps that you should take every single day if you want to hear from the Lord in your life. You write it down so you could remember it, so you can read it, so you can refer to it, so you can recite it, so you can meditate on the vision that God gives you. Psalm 102 verse 18 says, Write these things for the future so that people who are not yet born will praise the Lord. If you have God's vision for your life, men and women, even if it's just a single statement, a phrase, you know, whatever it is for you, write it down and, and put it somewhere where you can read it every single day. God gave my parents, Pastors Bob and Sherry, my parents, Bob and Sherry, he gave them a vision to plant the Cause Community Church in North Orange County in Brea. And so in January 2005, in the Breya East Edwards movie theater, the Cause Church was birthed and born. In fact, uh, so you know we Josh, I think mentioned it earlier, 17 years we celebrate today, our 17-year anniversary. If you were there and helped us plant in 2005, would you just stand up for a moment? Would you stand up? if you were there in 2005, helped us plant? 11:30s. It doesn't have as many as the others. Come on, give these people, give these pioneers! A big round of applause. Is that, the, is that the Lucarian family back there, is that you guys? God bless you guys, thank you so much. My dad, my dad Bob was 49 years old at the time the church started. My mom was 48 and I was 25, Jenny was 24. My parents took a huge risk, in some ways they actually kind of risked everything to step out in obedience and faith and trusting God for the vision that he had given them. In fact, I remember the second weekend of January, 2005, driving from San Dimas with my dad in the car. I was driving, he was a passenger. He looked over at me at one point, and he wasn't kidding. He said, I sure hope somebody shows up today. (laughs) And we both just laughed. And so we started in that Brea Edwards movie theater, downtown Brea, East Edwards, with about 300 people. The church planted strong. And set up and tear down every week. And Pastor Chris and the A-team get there early and set up everything in the, in the movie theater. Not too long after that, we outgrew the, the theater. We bought this property, 950 Beacon Street, and moved in here in February of 2009. In the past 17 years, men and women, God has exceeded our expectations. He has done above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. Our church has grown in every way. It is, it is not an exaggeration at all. Literally thousands of people's lives and eternities have been transformed by Jesus the last 17 years. Marriages and families, just unbelievable what God has done. The last two years have been by far the most difficult and challenging. You guys remember March, March 2020 when the world changed. COVID, COVID changed everything impacted every part of society, all of our lives in different ways, impacted our church. We had to pivot, make adjustments like everybody else. That was a challenging season for all of us, including church life. Last year, uh, February 20th, Saturday, February 20th, 2021, my dad died, graduated to heaven, which was shocking. And um, those have been some challenging years. We've had two challenging years. Difficult. The last, the very last time that my dad was in church was a year ago to the day, a year ago to the January 30th and 31st, 2021, we were celebrating our 16 year anniversary and my mom preached. Normally my dad would, but he wasn't feeling well enough. In fact, my mom tried to get him to stay home and he didn't listen to her. He was good at that. (laughs) My mom preached a message called Ferocious Warrior. And my dad, listen, I I watched this the other night, and I I couldn't stop crying. But I want to read to you. These are my dad's pastor, Bob, our founding lead pastor. These were his very last words to our church, to us. Last words he ever spoke to the church. I want to read them to you. This is what he said. He said, the best is yet to come. We were made to do the best of things in the worst of times. We started the Cause Church to make a difference, to see the enemy defeated, to see people set free, to see people come to Jesus. Eternity's changed. That's what we're all about. We're going to press forward. <laughs> we, uh, we honor and we celebrate the past. I will always honor my mom and my dad for leading, leading us for 16 years. listen. None of us would be here today were it not for their faith, their obedience, their sacrifice. And uh, I don't know where my mom is. She's probably doing something. But I honor my mom. Listen, they're examples of the power of vision from God. We're we're living proof of that. And what I feel the Lord has put on my heart, in fact, Marilyn even shared this recently at a worship and prayer night. It was a good word, Marilyn. While we remember our past and we celebrate all that the Lord has done, we're not going to focus on the past. We're not... Listen, we're not gonna look back. We're not gonna shrink back. We're not gonna go back. We're not gonna pull back. We're not gonna step back. We're not gonna sit back. We are gonna press on and press forward into the future and the vision that God has called for us. Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, but I focus on this one thing. I focus, I focus my vision on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Listen, we do believe that the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. We are a strong, healthy, growing, life-giving, purpose-driven, spirit-led, love-filled, Bible-believing, Jesus-centered, unstoppable church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will never conquer it. Men and women, the church is not a building. The church is you and I, the people of God, the called out ones, the ones that are called to establish the kingdom of God and advance his power and his goodness and his love and his light in this world. And no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what setbacks come, no matter what loss we suffer, no matter what happens in our world that's beyond our control, no matter what knucklehead decisions knucklehead politicians are making that upset us, listen, not even the powers of hell itself can stop or deter the the vision, the plan, the purpose, the calling that God has for your life and for our church. We were made to do the best of things in the worst of times. I've read the end of the book, and we win. Jesus has won the victory. Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph through Christ. Guess what? Because he won, we won as well. I hope the Rams are going to win today, and when the Rams beat the 49ers, I share in the victory. Come on, we beat the 49ers. <laughs> I'm a fan. I didn't have anything to do with it, but I get to be part of it. Same is true of Christ and the victory that he's, he's won for us. He has given us the victory, and you were born for such a time as this. With Jenny and I getting pregnant, we've had people come up to us and tell us, I don't know, Sarah, if you had anybody say this to you, and some people, and I, I completely understand what they're saying, but they're like, man, are you guys, wow, you guys... Really want to bring a kid into the world at this time with all the crazy stuff going on and this and that and how dark it is. Listen, on the one hand, I kind of agree with that. And I get it, I just don't think that's the right perspective. I don't think that's the faith perspective. I think God's perspective is, there's no better time than to live and serve Jesus than this time in history, right here, right now. If God wanted you to be born at a different time in a different country with a different color skin, he would have done that, but you were born here. You were placed here in North Orange County in Brea to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Listen, why not us? Why not here? Why not now? Somebody say amen. We are the light of the world, and as the world gets darker, the light shines brighter. And light always pushes out darkness, not the other way around. We're real people, completely in love with God, unconditionally loving people, passionately serving Him, and fully committed to bringing others to Jesus. We're real people. We're not perfect people. We're not pretentious people. We're not religious people. We're not about that at all. We're real people. Our church is not a spiritual gym where the spiritually strong come to flex their spiritual muscles and try to impress everybody with their Bible knowledge or Bible trivia. We're not about that at all. We are a spiritual hospital where the hurting and the lost and the broken and the sick and the confused and the deceived can come, and they can be healed. They can be set free. They can be pulled out of the pit. They can be delivered. They can be saved and rescued. They can meet the great physician. His name is Jesus. Jesus. And we're completely in love with God. Completely in love with God. Come on, guys. You remember the first time you saw your wife and laid eyes on her? The most beautiful woman you've ever seen? And you were drawn and attracted to her. And then the more you got to know her, the more you fell in love with her. (laughs) Listen, in a similar way, without the romance, God is the same way. The more you get to know him, you can't help but loving him. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, once you've experienced... The, the love and the grace and the kindness of Jesus, you just can't help but love him more. We do not want you just to know about God. I've, I've talked to people in here. It is, it's actually painful for me. Some of you in here, you know about God, but you don't really know the Lord. And there is a big difference. We want you to have an intimate, personal relationship with God and to walk with him on your own. Jesus said this, he says, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. My dad used to say other pastors might be able to preach better than me, but none of them are going to love God more than me. Our vision is not just to help you love church and become a quote unquote nice church attender. You can go to church your whole life and still end up in hell because you don't know the Lord. That's not our vision. Our vision is to help you love the Lord with everything in you so you become a mature disciple. So you become more and more like Jesus. It's not, our goal is not just to build a big church, it's to build big Christians. Jesus said in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, he says, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make good church attenders and people who give to the church. He said, make disciples. A disciple is a learner, a follower, one who embraces the teaching of Jesus. We are in the discipleship development business. That's the business we're in, and business is going well, and it's going to get better. Listen, we want you to become a fully functioning follower of Jesus a fully functioning follower of jesus you're like what the heck does that mean it means that you become more and more like jesus in every way first in your own character and your heart that the fruit of the spirit grows in your life you become more loving more joyful more peaceful love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control that you become more like jesus in your heart in your character but you also become more like him in your competence in your spiritual authority and ability, that you get filled with the Spirit of God. You get baptized and immersed in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit so that spiritual gifts flow through you, men and women, so that you're dangerous to the devil. Come on, somebody help me preach. That's what being a disciple is. It's knowing Jesus and, and being like him and doing what he did. Real, real people, completely in love with God, unconditionally loving people, unconditionally loving people. The mark of, of a true Jesus follower, a true Christian, is not how much the Bible you know. <laughs> Come on, you ever met somebody who knows a whole lot of Bible and they're meaner than a snake? <laughs> it's not how expressive you are during worship. It's not what leadership role or title you have in the church. God ain't impressed with any of that stuff. You know what impresses God? It's how much you love people. It's how, how much you love your spouse, how much you love your kids, how much you love other people. Jesus said, by this, all everybody will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, unconditionally loving other people. Listen, that's one of the reasons why we talk about getting involved in a connect group, getting in a small group with other Christians. So you can unconditionally love others, even people that kind of irritate you, and you can receive unconditional love from others as well. By the way, next week I'm going to start a series that I'm calling Great Relationships God's Way. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Anyone can come and attend our church and be part of the family. They can belong before they believe or behave. I want to say that again. I want you to understand this. Anybody, anybody can come to the cause church and they can belong to our church family before they believe or behave. Because men and women, that's what unconditional love is. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus loved people right where they were at. That's why he was accused. They said, look at him. He's a friend of tax collectors and prostitutes and all kinds of sinners. You know why they said that? Because he was. Jesus always loved people unconditionally right where they were at. But he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Come on, all of us, myself included, you were a knucklehead before you met Jesus, and he's fixed you up a little bit. Unconditional love. He, he meets people with unconditional love. And by the way, the other part of that is there's, there is uncompromising truth. And so he meets a woman caught in an adultery, and maybe for the first time in, in her life, John chapter 8, she experiences appropriate unconditional love from a man. But then he looks at her and says, Woman, I haven't condemned you. Now go and leave your life life of sin. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. What is that? That's uncompromising truth. <laughs> We're commanded to love all people the same way that Jesus does, including those who don't look like us, talk like us, act like us, behave like us, including those that have different beliefs and backgrounds, including those that don't agree with our political perspectives. What's wrong with those people, (laughs) including our enemies? Come on, even including telemarketers and people that give you parking tickets and Raider fans. (laughs) Our goal for every church service is that every person would experience the presence of God and be loved just as they are. And you know, one of the common things that we hear a lot in our church by people that are newer is they said, man, you guys are so friendly and nice and loving. It's because we do our best to unconditionally love people. We have a quick story from one of the guys. He's actually sitting over here, Chris, that he talks about that a little bit. You guys are gonna enjoy this. Watch the screen.
2: My life was a train wreck. The spirit of anger destroyed my life. I was a young man, raised by a woman, and I became just like her. So I was neurotic, hysterical, depressed, and sad, under psychiatrist care since the age of like 19. At that time, I was under doctor's orders to take medication. I was in the service. The VA used to give me 500 volumes at a time. I have been in so many psych wards, I can't actually remember it's over 10. I had been at this uh, psych where so many times the doctor said if I ever come back, he's gonna keep me not let me out. And I've had been diagnosed with just about every uh, so-called mental illness you could think of. And uh, I've been through uh, dual diagnosis clinics, I've been through counseling, I've been through therapy, I've been through psychologists, psychiatrists, I've been to every medication you could think of and uh, nothing in the world had to offer help. I've been through so many attempted suicides. That one put me in a coma. When I woke up out of that coma, I was in a coma for like a week and a half on in an ICU. And uh, they didn't think I was gonna wake up, but I woke up and I had, that's when I had actually a spiritual experience and I was in the presence of God before I woke up. This is uh, the beginning of uh, my spiritual journey. He explained to me why he wouldn't let me die. He needed me to fight. I was on fire when I woke up. I literally woke up on fire and I actually ripped all the stuff, the ICU stuff out immediately out of me. And I started stumbling out of the hospital, I passed out somewhere down there on Bass and Cherry from St. Jude, but he showed me the world on fire. And so I started doing research and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it turns out Satan really is in charge of everything in this world. And uh, I found uh, Jesus and I started going to church and, uh, and God softened my heart somewhere along the way you know I figured it out step by step and, and Jesus was calling me to find my people he had been doing I've been church hopping though no, only the ones before COVID and even trying to find them during COVID there was very few and, and then during COVID when I found this place it was the most unbelievable thing you could ever believe within five ten minutes and everybody's just like happy to be welcome home. We're glad you're here. And then the news came on, and it was like everything that happened. Like this is this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want. It's been a heck of a ride since then. And it's just incredible people that love the Lord. It's just unbelievable, the spirit here at the church. I I, I come here humbly. I just you guys want to help me learn. I need to learn. I don't know how to do it. I'm learning how to do it, and uh, I love the Lord. You know. They they literally pulled me out of the pit. Jesus saves, you know what I mean? I was was in the the pit of despair. And uh, I'm literally, I have a a clear mind. You know, he he softened my heart. I I don't, I'm not not angry, I'm not any of those things. It's just like a completely miraculous experience to be free. I've been off uh, any type of narcotic for over six years. If somebody was watching this and didn't know the Lord, I would tell them that Jesus saves. I would tell them, I know you got a story. I guarantee that that pain, Jesus could make that go away. That pain, Jesus can rescue you from that pain. Whatever it is, Jesus can remove that. He did it for me, you know? And uh, if He can do it for me, He can do it for anybody.
1: Thanks, Chris, so much for sharing your story. Chris is part of our internship ministry now, passionately serving the Lord. That's part of our vision, men and women, to passionately serve Him. It's one of the unique things, I think, about our church since the beginning is the amount of people that serve the Lord with with passion, with enthusiasm. There's over 450 people right now on the cause team, our cause team team members, we call them, our volunteers that are serving uh, on a regular basis. Listen, some of you, we'll, we'll talk more about this soon, but some of you have been sitting on the sidelines and you enjoy the church, but you've been sitting uh, on the sidelines as spectators for too long. And God is calling you and nudging you to get in the game, to move from being a spectator to a player, from being, from being a, a fan to a, a contributor, and to get involved, use the gifts, the skills, the passions that God has given you to serve the Lord. The vision that God gives for your life, if it's from God, it always involves serving other people and helping other people. Jesus said himself, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he said, even the son of man, which was a title he used for himself, even I, he said, came not to be served but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Listen, if you want to become more and more like Jesus, then you need to start to serve and give to other people. And, and by the way, serving is... Uh, not confined and isolated to your involvement in church. Serving is what you do outside of the church walls, which, which is most of our lives. We need to passionately serve the Lord in every area of our life. It starts at home. It starts in your marriage with your spouse, with your children. You serve the Lord at your workplace men and women, you serve the Lord in your neighborhood, wherever you go, you serve the Lord, regardless of your occupation, your job, your career, what pays the bills, your vocation, your calling is to serve the Lord. If you know the Lord, whether you realize it or not, now you do, you're in full-time ministry. You said, I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. When you started to follow Jesus, you signed up for it. The word minister means to serve, and every single one of us are in full-time ministry. And we ought to passionately serve the Lord. And In fact, John Wesley, let me read this statement from John Wesley. I mentioned him earlier. John Wesley says, do all the goods you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. That's probably why that man changed the world is because he lived it. And here's the last thought I'll close, is that fully committed, we are fully committed to bringing others to Jesus. Fully committed. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. With the changes that have happened in our world the last two years, I have more of a passion uh, than ever before to see people come to Christ. There is a, an urgency, I think, that God has placed in my heart to see people saved to see people rescued. As Chris says, Jesus saves. And there's a whole lot of people that need to be saved. Last year, there were 737 decisions for the Lord, people giving their lives to Jesus. Isn't that great? This year, I'm praying and believing that there will be over 1,000 over a thousand decisions. That's gonna take all of us collectively. I've been challenging the staff. I says, guys, we need to pray and seek the Lord. You need to hear from the Lord in your own ministries how we can reach more people, more lost people who don't know God. Some of us need to ask God for a fresh fire and passion to be birthed in our hearts to see people saved. The only thing better than going to heaven is taking other people with you. Who do you know in your life? Who has God placed in your life who doesn't know him? Start praying relentlessly for their salvation. Start loving them unconditionally. Ask the Lord to give you boldness to share with them his love and his grace. Listen, as long as I'm the pastor, we will do everything possible short of sin. As long as it's not immoral or illegal or unbiblical to win as many people as we can to Christ. I want to see hell empty and heaven full. Said, <laughs> so write the vision down. What do you see? Let me close with this. This is what I wrote down. Fill it, like God put it on my heart. The church that I see, the church I see is centered on Jesus, completely sold out for him and consumed with living for the cause of Christ, regardless of the cost. The church I see learns, loves, and lives the word of God, boldly preaching and refusing to compromise its unchanging truth over the ever-changing lies of the culture. The church I see is life-giving, demonstrating God's unconditional love, offering his overwhelming grace, expressing his contagious joy, fun, and laughter, experiencing his supernatural peace, offering his eternal hope, and enjoying his awesome presence. The church I see is beautifully diverse, intergenerational, multi-ethnic, modeling to the world real love and community and unity. The church I see builds Jesus-centered families and marriages that pass on blessings to future generations. We are raising up children and teenagers who are men and women after God's own heart and will serve God's purposes in their own generation. The church I see is empowered by the Holy Spirit, supernaturally gifted to minister to others, and filled with great faith to believe for healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. The church I see moves beyond our walls to relentlessly reach as many lost people as possible and bring them to a saving relationship with Jesus who heals their hurts frees their bondages, and radically transforms their lives. The church I see is strong, healthy, and growing in every way, equipping people to become fully functioning followers of Jesus, generously serving and blessing our city, sharing the good news in our world, and expanding to reach thousands of people throughout Southern California and beyond. Men and women, the church I see is unstoppable. We'll never shut down. We will never back down. We will never quit. We will move forward and press on to fulfill the vision that God has given us for his glory. We are this church. We are the cause church, and we are unstoppable. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand to your feet if you would. Jenny, would you come up here? Just stay standing for a moment. Would you come up here, Jenny, and pray? Jenny's going to pray, and then Rebecca and Sarah are going to lead us in a song. You might not know it, but you'll like it. Go ahead and pray for our church, babe.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our church. We thank you for the cause. We thank you for the cause church family, Lord. We thank you that we were all born for such a time as this, Lord. Even though it's a time of adversity, God, I thank you that you have equipped us. You have given us everything that we need, Lord God, to be successful. Father, we give our lives to you, Lord. We thank you that our best days are ahead of us as individuals, as families, as the body of Christ. Father we declare God that hell will be plundered and heaven will be filled like Pastor John said Lord I thank you that this is the year that wayward children will come home I thank you that this is the year where barrenness will be answered Lord God with fruitfulness I thank you God that this is a year where dreams God are going to come true where things that were lying dormant for so long Lord finally will come to fruition Lord we thank you that you are a God who sees us you are El Roy you are the one who never leaves us who never forsakes us you are by our side today and always lord and we thank you that as we commit our lives to you by putting you first in our lives lord jesus that we will expand your kingdom here on earth lord god if these are the last days we are living in lord what an honor it is for us to see your church glorified to see your bride be strong and beautiful lord god and ready to receive her king we love you so much jesus we thank you for saving us for healing us for setting us free and we thank you that truly the best is yet to come In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.